the Immigration Hour, because it's the oldest and most widely listened to podcast on immigration in the known universe, as far as we know. Uh, great to be with you today. I don't know if you heard, David, but there were a couple immigration things that came down this week. I don't know if you were paying attention at all uh, about this, but before I get into that, I want to talk about something I know will interest you, because it just popped up on my screen, and I thought this was fascinating. And this involves voter registration. As, as you know, uh, President Trump has been very concerned about not winning the popular vote uh, and believes that there were three to five million people who voted illegally that voted against him. I don't know if you're aware of that or not. But, uh, uh, and he's relying on this, this one guy um, uh, who has um, um, Greg, and Greg Phillips, who has an app um, that apparently tells him that three million people voted illegally. Now, here's why I want to point this out, David, because this is probably better suited for a television show than real life. But the headline in Time magazine today from an AP reporter is this. President Trump's voter fraud expert was registered to vote in three states in 2016. <laughs> this is this can only happen in the real world, David. It can only happen in the real world. I, you know, when you, when you rely on people, you know, when you rely on people who you don't vet, who you don't check their background on, who give you crazy bud claims, uh, all you end up doing is backpedaling later on. And I just thought, David, this was just kind of a funny way to start the show, which will probably end up being very depressing by the time we get done with it. But I thought a little lighthearted humor based in real life uh, would go. Now, I will tell you, Mr. Greg Phillips has a solution that you will love. I know you will love this solution. Um, when he was asked about this, he said, quote, why would I know or care? Okay, this is the guy who cares about this, but he says this. We need a national ID that travels with people. Well, I knew this would be something that would really get under your skin because it gets under my skin, but it's exactly what conservatives don't want to have happen is a national ID. I just thought it was absolutely fascinating as they went into this and talked about this. Now, uh, as all our listeners know, this week has been just absolutely insane uh, with President Trump uh, and his orders, uh, his executive orders. And as, as listeners to this show have known for years, we have warned for a very long time, including getting, you know, the most recently way back in July of last year, when be careful what you wish for when, when you get Trump. Because if you get Trump, you get Jeff Sessions. And if you get Jeff Sessions, uh, you're going to get a lot, uh, a lot of stuff you don't necessarily like. Uh, in fact, if we go back to my blog back in July of, of last year, and we look at the warnings that I gave, I'm just curious to see how prophetic I was um, in talking about uh, uh, a Trump victory and thus getting uh, Jeff Sessions. Now, the title of my blog at that time was one reason why a Trump presidency would destroy immigration to America. Now I posted this, um, David. I posted this last uh, July, uh, last um, last May, May of 2016. And I just want to curious about this. I said uh, a lot has been said about candidate Trump's statements regarding immigrants, Mexicans, and the wall. Many people, especially recent immigrants and those that know them, have had visceral reaction to these statements and consider Trump anti-immigrant and unfeed to lead an immigrant nation. But I have to tell you that these nativist statements are not the reason 
why a Trump presidency would destroy immigration to America. There is another reason. The overarching cause of Trump's march toward a walled America, isolated from the rest of the world, self-focused and limiting in integration and growth, Senator Jeff Sessions. That's right. Senator Jeff Sessions, the first senator to hop on the board the Trump Express. You have to ask yourself, why would a sitting U.S. senator with a lot to lose get so cozy so early with a candidate in the primaries? And the answer is simple. Trump talked the talk that Senator Sessions understands. The dog whistle politics of nativism, limited population, and class separation. Trump has repeatedly said since Senator Sessions joined his campaign that Sessions would be a fine Secretary of Homeland Security and that he was also serving as his primary advisor on foreign affairs and national security. This fact should deeply concern anyone who understands the background and beliefs of Senator Sessions. I bring this up because today, Senator Sessions is being, uh, they're voting in the the Judiciary Committee on whether to uh, forward his nomination to the floor of the Senate, which of course it will be. Let's start out with the easy stuff. The U.S. Attorney Jeff Sessions for Alabama was denied a federal court judgeship by the United States Senate in 1986 because he was accused of making numerous racial remarks and taking race-based actions against members of his own U.S. Attorney's Office. There's actually a clip on my blog of a video of Senator Ted Kennedy calling out Jeff Sessions on his actions and Sessions' complete inability to respond to these allegations. So we know this. Sessions has been found to have committed overt overt acts of racism in the past. Subsequently, Sessions was elected as Attorney General in Alabama for two years and then won an election to succeed Democratic Senator Howell Heflin in 1996, 20 years ago. Senator Sessions' webpage speaks volumes about his stance on the immigration issue. And if we were to become Trump's Secretary of Homeland Security, or in this case, uh, Attorney General, you would likely see massive changes in how our current laws and regulations operate in regard to legal immigrants. These changes would not just be an increase in enforcement, but rather deeper and more troubling changes in a more limited legal immigration. Former Jeff Sessions, uh, from Jeff Sessions' website, he makes it clear he wants to shrink legal immigration to the United States. Quote, Senator Sessions is committed to immigration reform that serves the national interest, not special interests. You know, what are the special interests? I don't know, people. And that curbs the unprecedented flow of immigration that is sapping the wages and jobs prospects of those living and working here today. No evidence of that, actually, but, you know, he says it anyway. That's from his website in quotes. So says, the reason he gives is the same reason... Uh, the jour of the entire anti-immigration movement to protect the American worker. Yet there is no evidence, none, that lowering legal immigration will protect or create more jobs for the native-born. In fact, the numbers bear out just the opposite, that legal immigration actually creates more jobs for American workers. Now, Sessions also opposed DACA and DAPA. And this is why it's stunning that Trump hasn't gotten away, hasn't canceled yet, but likely because it's something he actually thinks is important for these kids. Quote, Sessions has been a leading opponent of President Obama's unconstitutional executive amnesties, which give jobs and benefits to illegal workers at the expense of struggling families. So if he had been attorney general when Obama was president, would he have fought to preserve DACA and DAPA? That's really the question that we have to ask today because of what happened last night, which we're going to get into in just a second. Um, now, Senators, Senator Sessions also has repeatedly sponsored legislation that limits the rights of all immigrants to challenge their removal 
and has called on both Republican and Democratic administrations to, quote, enforce immigration law, despite not actually sponsoring any bills in 20 years to increase funding to do so. So he's also a hypocrite. Sessions also receives an A-plus from the anti-population nativist group Numbers USA on his ratings on reducing legal immigration to the U.S., With this understanding of exactly where Senator Sessions' beliefs are in the context of legal immigration, next, imagine him him and his minions implementing these policies as Secretary of Homeland Security. Now, David, do you know who drafted the executive orders on immigration in the Trump administration? No, you don't, but I do. Steve Bannon and Steve Miller. Now, who is Steve Miller? Steve Miller is Jeff Sessions' immigration point person when he was in the Senate. So... Sessions is already drafting this work through his minions. Um, And here is what uh, Sessions said on questions featured prominently on Numbers USA website. Question four. A supermajority of GOP voters say immigration is too high, which is not true. Every year on autopilot, we let in another million immigrants on green cards, 700,000 foreign guest workers, half a million foreign students, and 100,000 refugees and asylees. All those numbers aren't true. Uh, historical precedent would be to reduce record-breaking immigration rather than continuing to surge it beyond all historical precedent. Will you support legislation to reduce immigration numbers, and will you oppose legislation that would add numbers? Answer. I will, I will support legislation to reduce the numbers and will oppose legislation to increase the numbers. I think he just quoted that. I have laid out a detailed plan to accomplish this on my website. Actually, he hasn't. My suggested reforms include a requirement to give all open jobs to American first instead of importing foreign replacements. That's a great question. Um, why haven't you done it then? Because he actually hasn't sponsored any legislation on this. So there you have it. Senator Sessions is one reason why a Trump presidency would destroy immigration to America. That's not enough. Perhaps you can imagine the following, which is a brief list of what we would certainly see in the administration, administrative reduction of legal immigration to the U.S. if Jess Sessions were Home Director of Homeland Security or Attorney General at this point. The ending of parole in place enabling family members of U.S. military members to adjust status. The ending of DAPA and DACA. The ending of advanced parole as lawful admission for adjustment purposes. The limiting of EB-5 usage by revisions to process and regulations that would make EB-5 regions difficult, if not impossible, to operate. The increase of unregulated scrutiny of H-1B, L-1, and E-2 applications for U.S. and international visas seeking to expand in the United States. The constricting of the interpretation of lawful presence and the expansion of what constitutes unlawful presence for adjustment and consular processing purposes. The expansion of a restricted reading of existing law for individual immigrants with extraordinary and exceptional ability national interests. The limiting of relief for minors under the Special Immigrant Juvenile Program and an increasing number of RFEs and denials for E2 and E3 immigrant visa applications in the context of education and experience requirements and the ability to pay for wages by continuing shifting of interpreting of existing law. This is only a partial list. Many other people on this broadcast can imagine other shifts of the interpretive process by a Sessions DHS or now Attorney General where he controls the Homeland, where he controls the Executive Office of Immigration Review to limit and, just, and obstruct both legal immigration processing and enforcement and admissions. At the end of the day, each of us votes as Americans on the topics and issues we are most important to us. That said, the immigration issue is an overarching concern that most Americans simply do not understand. It is very easy to buy into the nativist us-versus-them rhetoric and to blame one's own problems and sufferings on the other. However, looked at without bias, the only proper conclusion one can come to is that legal immigration has been the thing that makes America great. 
Legal immigration at its current level still leaves millions of people in the line to get into our country. And legal immigration is the lifeblood for bringing people to the United States who create jobs, complete families, and stimulate our economic growth. Listening to someone like Jeff Sessions, a a shill for the neoconservative anti-immigration movement, is the exact opposite of what a real American leader and a son of an immigrant should do. Following a Trump Sessions presidency, my greatest fear would be a weakened America whose shining city on the hill has been tarnished and snuffed out by those who are afraid of the future and those who are protecting a mythical past which never existed. And I said, said, here, think about that when you're ready to vote. Clearly, not enough people read my blog from May of 2016 on the dangers of a Jeff Sessions involvement in the administration. And now you have it. Now he's going to be Attorney General of the United States, more than likely, unless a couple of Republicans flip, which is highly unlikely. Uh, And that in contrast to what happened last night, uh, when Acting Attorney General Sally Yates refused to defend the Trump administration's orders, executive orders on immigration, particularly the ban um, on immigrants and non-immigrants and refugees from the seven countries and the entire world for refugees. Uh, now, Sally Yates uh, also in the past has defended Obama's incarceration of women and children, so we're not going to give her a whole lot of kudos here. But at least on this, she stood up and said what she believed. Now, whether she's right or wrong is you know, relevant only in the context of those who are going to vote for her in the future when she runs for the U.S. Senate or Congress. But it does not impugn her character. Her character is one in which she had a sincere belief in what the president was doing was wrong. And she couldn't come up with legal arguments to defend it, which is pretty consistent with the five cases in which the attorney general has appeared on behalf of the Trump administration so far and lost every single one as they tried to uh, uh, avoid the courts issuing injunctions on stopping the effectiveness of the Trump administration's orders in these cases uh, as they try to deport people. Now, we're going to next segment here. We're going to go over the details uh, of the of the orders uh, and talk about the the things that are that are happening now. What's interesting about this is um, the, the speed with which we are moving on immigration right now. The things that are happening uh, really help us to understand the consequences of a presidency that is that is deeply Im- uh, involved and imbued and surrounded in, and inculcated in the anti-legal immigration movement. We'll be back here on the Immigration Hour on America's Web Radio. Si usted tiene problemas con inmigración o asuntos que tiene que arreglar, llama a los abogados de Cook Immigration Partners. Somos en su lado. Tenemos más de 50 años de experiencia haciendo las leyes de inmigración y defendiendo a los inmigrantes. Llámenos hoy a las 404-816-8611, a las 404-816-8611 o al www.immigration.net. This is Skip Coriel, host of the Home Defense Show on America's Web Radio. Join me every week as we explore all aspects of home and family defense as we strive to defend the ones we love in an ever-changing and volatile world. Cook Immigration Partners is your passport through the immigration maze. Whether it's help with e-verify in your business or help in how to document a new employee under the new I-9 rules or if you marry a foreign national, Cook Immigration Partners is your best choice for a legal advocate. Call us today at 866-286-6200. That's 866-286-6200. Or visit us on the web at www.immigration.net. You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening.
Welcome back to America's Web Radio, the Immigration Hour. It's great to be with you again today. We're having a really interesting discussion today, Dave. We went over my warnings from May about Jeff Sessions in, you know, uh, in, in observance of the vote that's happening right now on, in the Senate Judiciary Committee uh, as it votes likely on a pure party-line vote to, uh, to push uh, Sessions' recommendation to the floor. Uh, it'll be interesting to see how that goes. I mean, I can't see any any basis upon which Republicans would vote against him, and he will be the next attorney general. Um, and uh, he will take over from D- Dana Bronte, or however you say that guy's name last night, uh, the, the, the former uh, attorney, U.S. attorney from Virginia, uh, and now U.S. attorney general. Now, it was interesting, David. You know, there's actually a federal rule that the successor to the attorney general, if they're unable to serve, and the deputy's unable to serve, is the U.S. Attorney of D.C. It's actually a rule on this, a regulation. Uh, but then there's an out. Well, if the president doesn't want that person, they can pick anybody they want. So he picked the guy in Virginia, who was also an Obama appointee. So I'm just kind of curious as to, you know, did he have to call around and say, hey, will you defend my order? Will you defend? And finally got somebody and brought him in? I was curious. I thought over the weekend that uh, that Trump fired the AG, no, that, the, the acting AG. No, that was last night. Her last night. That was last oh. night he fired her. After oh. she came out and said, I can't defend this. It's indefensible. I don't believe it's constitutional. So that's when he fired her. And then immediately, it's like at 9 o'clock last night. So you, I saw the first memos from her like at 6.30 or 7 and said, I can't defend this. Sorry. And by nine 9.30 or 10 o'clock, she'd been fired and the new attorney general had already been sworn in. So I guess he had to get somebody close. If it wasn't the D.C. person, I guess it was the Virginia person or across the river in, in, uh, in uh, the Northern District. So I thought that was fascinating that he got to that quickly. And what, but somebody, somebody apparently got to the Wikipedia page of that, of that guy um, and had modified it before it got fixed. It said, latest Trump stooge or something like that. It was, uh, you know, kind of funny uh, trolling on the Internet. Um, but, uh, but you know, you know, the Attorney General, you, you need to enforce the laws before you. Even if, you know, it's funny. There's this video of Jeff Sessions telling Sally Yates when Sally Yates was up for her confirmation hearing last year or two years ago. You understand that as Attorney General, you have to enforce all the laws, not just the ones you disagree, you agree with. Yes, I absolutely agree with that. I, I, mean, I will do that. So it's interesting to see what Jeff Sessions does when he has to you know, uphold laws he doesn't agree with. I wonder if he will defend Obamacare uh, going forward in more federal lawsuits. I'm just curious whether you think he'll defend that or not. Uh, Maybe it won't be there to defend. Uh, you know, have you been following the Republican net weeping and wailing and gnashing of teeth over this over the last week? Um, they And apparently some Republican recorded a conversation of Republicans at their retreat in Philadelphia and snuck it out to the media. And I don't have you not seen this this audio tape or heard this audio tape or, listen, or seen the transcript. It's fascinating because they're talking about well we can't do that because uh, then we're going to get blamed for people losing their insurance. We can't do that because then the Democrats will do that. We can't do that. We can't do that. There, there's this weeping. How are we going to fix this? We don't know. You know this idea that Tom that Tom Price has a plan to fix it. Apparently nobody supports that plan that's in the caucus. So I'm just curious. Uh, this weeping and wailing of national will Jeff Sessions have to still defend the plan? Because, David, yeah, you can cancel it, but you can't cancel it. It's, it's going to be interesting to see what happens uh, as they move forward. Now, David, I want to get into the Trump executive orders uh, on uh, on travel and refugees because I think it's important uh, 
that our listeners understand exactly what uh, what these orders are and um, what they what we believe they mean. You know, there's a lot of people on the internet. Oh, just give Trump a chance. It'll be fine. No big deal. It's just uh, uh, nothing to worry about. And uh, he uh, he'll be okay. It's not what you think it is. And Obama did it, so it's okay if Trump did it. And um, lots of lots of stuff like that uh, going forward. But I think if we read uh, the executive orders now, the one we're going to read first uh, is the one from Friday. Uh, on uh, the whole idea of uh, what some people have ended up calling the Muslim ban. Um, now, it is not technically a Muslim ban because Rudy G- Giuliani was able to figure out how not to use the word Muslim ban uh, on his, uh, on his, uh, in, in his analysis and uh, creation of uh, this policy. Uh, and uh, so we don't have to worry about being a Muslim ban. But we do have to uh, take a look at it uh, in the context of um, uh, what it actually does, because it's not necessarily what you call something that's important. Uh, it's really what it is. Now, David, it's interesting. I've been looking on the White House statements and press releases. Oh, maybe it's under presidential actions here. Uh, here we go. Presidential actions. Uh, and he called this protecting the nation from foreign terrorist entry into the United States. All right. So presumably... The focus of this order is making sure terrorists don't come in the United States. Let's take a look at this. Um, By authority vested in me as president by the Constitution, the laws, and the Immigration Nationality Act and Section 3 of the U.S. Code to protect the American people from terrorist acts by foreign nationals in the U.S., it is hereby ordered as follows, colon. One, purpose. The visa issuance process plays a crucial role in detecting individuals with terrorist ties and stopping them from entering the United States. True. You agree? I think you agree with me on that. That's absolutely true. Perhaps in no instance was this more apparent than the terrorist attacks of September 11, 2001, when State Department policy prevented consular officers from properly scrutinizing the, the visa applications of several of the 19 foreign nationals who went on to murder nearly 3,000 Americans. Now, that what's true about that, it wasn't policy that prevented the scrutiny. Is that at the time, the Department of State had a policy that you didn't have to be interviewed by the officers if you met certain criteria. And several, I think it was three or four of the hijackers, never had a personal interview with the officer. Keep in mind, it, what we, the world we were living in at the time was pretty much a carefree world. Everything was happy. Everything was good. We were growing like crazy. Everybody's singing Kumbaya. Who's going to attack the United States? In retrospect, massively naive. But to judge the history by that, you know, I'm not going to. I'm not going to condemn those people for the policies that were in place that were put into place by Republican and Democratic administrations to facilitate tourism and travel and visas and things like that to the United States. Now, that, of course, was fixed. I mean, as part of the whole 9-11 commission, they, they eliminated that program. It's been gone for 15 years. It is uh, now there is in-depth scrutiny of every visa applicant, whether the visa waiver program is involved or whether, in fact, uh, it is uh, somebody just applying at a visa from one of these other countries. Now, and so he says this, this, and while the visa issuance process was reviewed and amended after the 7 attacks, to better detect would-be terrorists from receiving visas. Those measures did not stop attacks by foreign nationals who were admitted to the United States. Now, 
I we assume they're referring to at least the woman who came on a fiancé visa who then committed with her husband in the United States the San Bernardino attack. We're assuming that's what they're meaning here, although it's not clear because the whole thing's unclear. But other than that, they're not naming who else they're talking about here. Um, so the next is, numerous foreign-born individuals have been convicted or implicated in terrorism-related declines since September 11, 2001, including foreign nationals who entered the U.S. after receiving a visitor, student, or employment visas, or who entered the U.S. through the refugee resettlement program. That's a lie. That's a lie. No refugees have been implicated or committed any terrorist acts in America uh, since 2001. None. Zero. Uh, so that's one of the first lies here. Deteriorating conditions in certain countries due to war, strife, disaster, and civil unrest increase the likelihood that terrorists will use any means possible to enter the United States. I can't dispute that. And that's why we have effective means in place to stop that. The United States must be vigilant during the visa issuance process to ensure that those approved for admission do not intend to harm Americans and that they have no ties to terrorism. Absolutely agreed. Absolutely agreed. Now, in order to protect Americans, the U.S. must ensure that those admitted to this country do not bear hostile attitudes towards it and its founding principles. Now, this is really kind of an interesting thing because it starts to impact the idea of uh, freedom of speech uh, and uh, the, the, not that we have to let anybody in and they're not protected by, by that Constitution, but it starts to, to issue that. What can you not think? Not should we, we shouldn't be admitting people to the country with their hostile attitudes, but you get into this idea, okay, how are we going to do that? The United States cannot and should not admit those who do not support the Constitution or those who place violent ideologies over American law. Okay. Now we're getting into ideologies. Ideologies versus religious beliefs. Okay. Ideologies. In addition, the United States should not admit those who, act, who engage in acts of bigotry that's interesting coming from this White House, or hatred, including honor killings, other forms of violence against women, or the persecution of those whose practice religion is different from their own. Now, nobody would disagree with honor killings, violence against women, or those who persecute people for religious beliefs. Okay, but now we start to walk a very interesting line or those who would oppress Americans of any race, gender, or sexual orientation. Okay. That's a little laughable, but that's a, we'll, we'll go from there. Section 2, policy. It is the policy of the United States to protect its citizens from foreign nationals who intend to commit terrorist acts in the United States. Good. And to rent the admission of foreign nationals who intend to exploit the U.S. immigration laws, from, laws for malevolent purposes. Okay. Three. So that's, that's the pot purpose and the policy. Now, three, what they're going to do. Now, this, David, these are presumably to implement the purpose and the policy. Suspension of issuance of visas and other immigration benefits to nationals of, quote, countries of particular concern. I guess this is like rodents of unusual size uh, uh, that you would have in uh, the Princess Bride. A, the Secretary of Homeland Security in consultation with the Secretary of State and the Director of National Intelligence, shall immediately conduct a review to determine the information needed from any country to adjudicate any visa, admission, or other benefit under the Immigration Nationality Act, adjudications, for instance, we don't know why, 
in order to determine that the individual seeking the benefit is who the individual claims to be and is not a security or public safety threat. Okay. So you have to have identification documents, which, of course, are your uh, your passport from a foreign country. Now, we have to conduct a review to determine the information you need for any country. So is this, this apparently is telling DHS and DOS to contact every country in the world to find out information from them about who their citizens are. So let's let's put this issue in foot. Iran passes a law that says until the United States tells us who its citizens are, we won't give them a visa. This is this is a very odd odd request. Uh, two, the Secretary of Homeland Security, in consultation with Secretary of State and Director of National Intelligence, uh, which is CIA, shall immediately conduct a review to determine the information needed. Okay, we talked about that. Next. Uh, well, let's take a break here, David. Come back in a second. We'll finish talking about this this bill, uh, this, this executive order. On next segment on the Immigration Area America's Web Radio. Si usted ha casado con un ciudadano o tiene problemas con inmigración o tiene una oferta de trabajo, llama a los abogados de Cook Immigration Partners. Somos en su lado. Con más de 100 años de experiencia en la ley de inmigración, conocemos la ley y sabemos cómo ayudarle. Llámanos hoy a las 404-816-8611, a las 404-816-8611, o visítenos al www.immigration.net. Did you miss the show that you really wanted to hear? All of our programs are available for download on americaswebradio.com and on iTunes. You can listen to your favorite programs on americaswebradio.com anytime you like. Cook Immigration Partners is your passport through the immigration maze. Whether it's help with e-verify in your business or help in how to document a new employee under the new I-9 rules, or if you marry a foreign national, Cook Immigration Partners is your best choice for a legal advocate. Call us today at 866-286-6200. That's 866-286-6200. Or visit us on the web at www.immigration.net. You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening. Now, I want to remind our viewers here on the Immigration Hour, David, that we only deal in facts. There are no alternate facts here. This is not an alternate fact show. You'll have to go to some of the anti-immigration websites to look at some alternate facts. So the next thing that, that uh, Trump wants to do is that DHS, uh, DOS, and DNI shall submit to the president a report on the results of the review described in Section A. That's the idea of what they need from countries to adjudicate visas um, uh, within 30 days of this order. So by September 27th, this will be done. David, I don't know how that's going to be done because the entire senior leadership of the Secretary of State, the Department of State, is literally gone. It's literally gone. Uh, Homeland Security is eviscerated. It'll be interesting to see what happens. Next, that's part of this. To temporarily reduce investigative burdens on relevant agencies during the review period described above, 30 days. To ensure the proper review and maximum utilization of available resources for screening individuals. And to ensure that adequate standards are established to prevent infiltration by foreign terrorists or criminals. Pursuant to Section 212F of the Immigration Nationality Act, I hereby proclaim 
that the immigrant and non-immigrant entry into the United States of aliens from countries referred to in Section 217A12 of the INA would be detrimental to the interests of the United States, and I hereby suspend entry into the U.S. of such persons for 90 days from the date of this order, excluding foreign nationals traveling on diplomatic visas, North Atlantic Treaty Organization visas, C2 visas for travel to the United Nations, or uh, uh, G1, G2, G3, and G4, which are, which are international organization uh, uh, visas. So what he, this is where he said, we're going to bar people from Iran, Iraq, Libya, Yemen, Somalia, and the Sudan from coming into the United States. Um, I think I got those all right. There's maybe one more, David. I may have forgotten one. Forgive me if I've forgotten one, listeners. Um, and it's funny because this, this is when people will say, well, those are the same countries that Obama barred. No, what Obama did was follow the law passed by the Republican Congress as part of an appropriations bill where those seven countries, if you were born in those countries but now had a passport from a visa waiver country like England, let's say you were born in Iran and moved, moved to Sweden, you could no longer use the visa waiver program. You had to get a, uh, a, 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 an actual visa and have an interview at the embassy instead of just going online and doing a visa waiver. So, no, Obama didn't create this. It actually was the GOP that created this. And, you know, I love how they just kind of lie about this. But this is what they did. Next, immediately upon receipt of the report described in B, so within 30 days of this section, the Department of State shall request all foreign governments that do not supply such information to start providing such information regarding their nationals in 60 days of notification. So, we're going to say to the governments, hey, we need all your databases. I presume they want like their versions of the FBI or whatever it happens to be. Now, David, I don't necessarily have a problem with getting more data into our databases. That's, that's, not, that's not the problem here. Uh, we should get as much data as possible on anybody who wants to come to the United States. A lot of governments will, of course, object to sharing intelligence data with us that would be viewable by Joe Schmo, immigration officer at the California Service Center. Uh, so we'll see how this works out, because if they do not comply with this, they are the, the whole, this, this bar of um, visas will, will continue indefinitely. If at any point after submitting the list, the Secretary of State or DHS may submit to the President's names of additional countries recommended for treatment. So now... Hey, you want anything other than these, than these seven countries? Go ahead and, and let me know who they are. I'm happy to put them on the list. Notwithstanding the suspension of these countries, okay, the so Secretary of State and Homeland Security may, on a case-by-case basis, and when in the national interest, issue visas or other immigration benefits to these countries, for which visas or benefits are otherwise blocked. This is the exception on a case-by-case basis. Now, when this rule was written, David, it was written broad enough to say that permanent residents couldn't be admitted to the United States. It doesn't say that, but it's written to be interpreted that way. And that's how CBP, with no guidance whatsoever, interpreted it as they started returning permanent residents back to the places where they had come from, even though this was their actual home. Uh, and this was, of course, before the, before the stays were put into place. And acknowledging that the Dulles CBP office ignored, intentionally ignored the orders of the federal di- district court judges. Now, somebody should go to jail over that and certainly should lose their jobs, but I imagine they'll probably get an award from that. 
Uh, the president shall get it in a report, or I guess President Manon will get a report. Uh, implementing this order within 30 days of the order, a second report in 60 days, a third report in 90 days, a fourth report in 120 days. So we're going to be busy over the next four months, David, talking about this stuff and what these reports said. Now, the next thing they said, the Secretary of State, the Secretary of Homeland Security, the Director of National Intelligence, and the Director of the FBI shall implement a program as part of the adjudication process for immigration benefits to identify individuals seeking to enter the United States on a fraudulent basis with the intent to cause harm or who are at risk of causing harm subsequent to their, to their admission. Yeah, that already exists. That already exists. This program will include the development of uniform screening standard and procedure, such as in-person interviews, a database of identity documents proffered by the applicants to ensure that duplicate documents are not used by multiple applicants, amended application forms that include questions aimed at identifying fraudulent answers and malicious intent, a mechanism to ensure the applicant is who the applicant claims to be, a process to evaluate the applicant's likelihood of becoming a positively contributing member of society. This is literally invented out of whole cloth. And the applicant's ability to make contributions to the national interest and a mechanism to assess whether or not the individual has, has the intent to commit criminal or terrorist acts when coming into the country. David, actually, this exists. This program exists. It's called the Department of Pre-Crime. And you have to watch Tom Cruise in the Minority Report to actually find out what this is. So uh, Trump is instigating the the beginning of the pre-crime unit uh, in, uh, in, the, in the FBI. This is going to be fun to see how this implements going forward. Now, David, a couple people over the weekend accused me in my Facebook feed, well, you just don't like this because uh, you're a rich lawyer and, uh, and uh, they're going to take your business away. <laughs> well, besides the moronic aspects of, that, of those statements, uh, including the fact that I'm a rich lawyer, which is not true, because um, I know rich lawyers, and I'm definitely not one of them, and no immigration lawyer I know is rich, uh, but is this, David, who gets busier when you make the application process harder? Yeah, immigration lawyers. Who's busier today than they've been in their entire 27 years of practice? Yeah, that would be me and every immigration lawyer listening to this podcast today. Uh, moronic statements from people like that. It's not that we don't want to get busier. is that we don't want to get busier as we waste time. The idea that there's going to be some sort of questioning on application forms uh, that evaluate the applicant's likelihood of becoming a positively contributing member of society and the applicant's ability to make contributions to the national interest. Wow, talk about extra statutory, extra regulatory, and not based in any concept of anything. What are they going to take? One of those personality tests? Where you're an EFNJ? Or is that what they're going to do? I mean, that's that. This is truly bizarro land uh, that that whoever wrote this is buying into. Honestly, I doubt Trump even read this. Honestly, the Secretary of Homeland Security is the next part. In conjunction with the Secretary of State, Department of State, DNI, and FBI, shall submit to the President within 60 days their report, 100 days another report, 200 days another report. Okay, nice even numbers. Next, the realignment. We got a break already, David. It's only like 10:40. We've got a few minutes here. Um, next is in here is the realignment of the U.S. Refugee Admissions Program for fiscal year 2017. The Secretary of State shall suspend U.S. refugee admissions for 120 days. Overnight, David, there were people in airplanes coming to the United States. What are you going to do about them? They're refugees, for God's sakes. 
You don't send them back to where they came. Now, from what we know, David, every refugee that was on an airplane that came in after this order was either admitted or placed into what they call secondary inspection or deferred inspection. We have to go back to immigration in a few weeks. So nobody got sent, no refugee that we know of got sent back. Permanent residents got sent back. Visa holders got sent back. And there's this one woman finishing her postdoctoral work here in um, one of the major schools in the United States. Uh, and her house is here, her dog's here. She's been here for years. They sent her back because she's from Iran. And everything she's been doing is here in the United States. And she's actually, you know, the work she's doing is in the U.S. national interest. We sent doctors back home that were here working on H-1Bs, that were back home visiting sick relatives. I mean, really just insane stuff here. So the refugee program is suspended for 120 days. Now, here's where it gets really interesting. During the 120-day period, the Secretary of State, along with his cohorts, shall review the refugee admissions program application and adjudication process to determine what additional procedures should be taken to ensure that those approved for refugee admissions do not pose a threat to the security and welfare of the U.S. and shall implement such additional procedures. Now, David, here's where I get a little angry. How many times did Trump say on the campaign trail, and since being elected, we're going to have extreme betting, extreme betting, we're going to do extreme, it's going to be so extreme, extreme like you can't believe. And guess what, David? He had no idea what he was talking about. He has nothing else. He is an empty suit on this. A complete empty suit. Because, David, if he had something else to do, he would have put it in this order. He's got nothing. And do you really think that the people running the safety of our country haven't put every possible check they can think of that's rational and possible to do into the refugee process as it currently stands? Of course they have. This is this is really a joke. Uh, and it shows you the empty nature of Trump's brain on this issue. Um, refugee applicants who are already in the process may be admitted upon the information and completion of the reserved procedures, which may not even take place until after the 120 days. Upon that, the date that is under the date of this order, they shall resume admissions only for nationals of countries for which the Secretary of State and the rest have jointly determined such procedures are adequate to ensure safety and welfare of the United States. Um, and there are many non-Muslim refugees who got stuck out of the United States during this process, which is why you can't say that that particular order impacted just as, as a Muslim ban, because that impacted everybody who's a refugee. Um, now, upon resumption of the USRAP use, use admissions, uh, they are directed to make the changes to the extent permitted by law. And this is where it gets really interesting, Dave, which is why you get now you get into the whole Muslim thing. To prioritize refugee claims made by individuals on the basis of religious-based persecution, provided that the religion of the individual is a minority religion in the individual's country of nationality. Where necessary and appropriate, the Secretary of State shall recommend legislation that would assist with such prioritization. And here's where it gets into what people claim that it's a Muslim ban. There are many countries in the world in which there are two versions of Islam, Sunni and Shia. But... This prioritizes not them, but rather Christians or others that are in those countries, not denominations. They're really denominations within the religion, and so they can't be considered to be religious-based persecution. Really interesting. Uh, and this is what, uh, that provision, David, is probably what's going to hang 
this 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 uh, this executive order on Trump's petard, because while he does have extraordinary discretion in the context of Section Two Twelve uh, F, that discretion is limited by the anti-discrimination provisions in Section Two Hundred Two of the Immigration Act. Um, pursuant to Section 212F, I hereby proclaim that the entry of Syrian nationals and refugees is detrimental to the interests of the United States, and I suspend any such entry, period. So Syrians can no longer come here. Again, that likely violates the nationality provisions in Section 202 of the Immigration Nationality, which we'll get to when we come back. Um, now, we'll come back in a second for our final segment here on the Immigration Hour on America's Web Radio. Soy Charles Cook, el jefe del Grupo de Abogados Cook Immigration Partners. Estoy en su lado, con más de 20 años de experiencia con la ley de inmigración. Conozco cómo ayudarle. Sé la ley. Y sé que alguna gente podemos ayudar. Llámanos hoy a las 404-816-8611. A las 404-816-8611. O visítenos en el internet. www.immigration.net This is Skip Coriel host of the Home Defense Show on America's Web Radio. Join me every week as we explore all aspects of home and family defense as we strive to defend the ones we love in an ever-changing and volatile world. Cook Immigration Partners is your passport through the immigration maze. Whether it's help with e-verify in your business or help in how to document a new employee under the new I-9 rules or if you marry a foreign national, Cook Immigration Partners is your best choice for a legal advocate. Call us today at 866-286-6200. That's 866-286-6200. Or visit us on the web at www.immigration.net. You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening. So, David, back in our last segment, we're going to get into these non-discrimination clause within Section 212A1, which says this, um, except that specifically provided, no person shall receive any preference or priority or be discriminated against on the issuance of an immigrant visa because of the person's race, sex, nationality, place of birth, or place of residence. So this provision, which was enacted after the Section 212F, limits Trump's ability uh, to bar people, for example, from Syria for entering the country indefinitely uh, because it's based on nationality. Um, now, it is going to be very interesting to see how these two provisions play out. And as an immigration law junkie, which is kind of what I am, uh, we're going to see it play out in live action as we get into the uh, uh, the hearings after these injunctions uh, are had for final hearings in the next few weeks in these courts. Uh, I, You know, uh, I found it very interesting, David, that the ACLU raked in $24 million over the weekend, six times what they normally get in a year in donations. Um, so I guess somebody's getting a bonus at the ACLU this year as part of this. Uh, Trump also said, quote, I hereby proclaim that the entry of more than 50,000 refugees in 2017 would be detrimental to the interest of the United States and thus suspend any such entry until such a time as I determined that additional emissions would be in the national interest. That, you know, that number is the minimum he can do for a year under the INA, and um, is uh, uh, is a number that Bush was using for years. I actually testified in Congress on this issue a couple times. Now, notwithstanding the temporary suspension imposed by my banner refugees, we can, on refugees on a case-by-case basis, in the discretion, admit them so long as they determine that the admission of such individuals as refugees is in the national interest, including persons when the person is a religious minority in this country of nationality facing religious persecution, 
when the admitting person admitting the person would enable the U.S. to conform its conduct to pre-existing international agreement, or when the person was ready in transit and denying admission would cause undue hardship. So this is why a lot of the guys got in. So F, the next thing, more reports to the constant to the president. G, it is the policy of the executive branch, to the extent permitted by law that state and local jurisdictions be granted a role in the process of determining the placement or settlement in their jurisdictions of aliens eligible to be admitted into the U.S. as refugee. To that end, the DHS Secretary shall examine existing laws to determine the extent to which, consistent with applicable law, state and local jurisdictions may have greater involvement in the process of determining the placement of refugees. This is for people who are afraid to have refugees in their neighborhood. You should be begging to have refugees in your neighborhood, frankly. It will make your community a lot better. Um, rescission of exercise of authority related to terrorism grounds of instability. The Secretary of State and Homeland Security shall consider rescinding the exercise of authority in Section 212 of the Act related to, ter- to terrorism grounds of instability, as well as any related implementing memorandum. And, you know, honestly, we have to figure out what the heck they're talking about. Consider rescinding the exercise of authority in Section 212 of the Act related to terrorism grounds of instability. That may be in the context of identifying uh, terrorism folks. Uh, Expedited removal, expedited completion. The Secretary of Homeland Security shall expedite the completion and implementation of a biometric entry-exit tracking system. Now, David, this entry-exit tracking system was authorized by Congress in 1996 as part of IRA-IRA. It has never been funded and has never been started. Now, we have an entry system here in the United States, which everybody uses when they come in the country. We have, frankly, a a remarkably functioning uh, global entry system, which I love to use when I come in the country. It's makes it so much easier, so much smoother, and I wish more people would do it. Uh, but we don't have an exit system. Anybody who's traveled abroad knows that virtually every other country in the world has an exit control system. But no other country in the world gets 40 million people coming in. We had 325 in one day. I mean, you do the math on that, David. Um, in 10 days, it's 3 million. 100 days, it's 35 minutes. Probably 100 million people coming in the country on any given day, uh, any given year. So... To build the infrastructure to have an exit control system is going to cost billions of dollars. Just think about here at Hartsfield-Jackson, International Airport. You want to leave from here. So international flights leave from Terminal F or Terminal E or Terminal A, depending on where they're going. Uh, and uh, they would have to all leave from one terminal, which would delta, freak Delta out. You have to probably turn E and F into international departure terminals. Uh, at that point only. Uh, and then you'd have to have a system whereby you went through immigration right after security. So you have to build, I'm thinking about Terminal F now, you have to build in the atrium a whole other immigration entry system. You'd have to do the same in Terminal E. Well, no, you know, E wouldn't be because you'd get the Terminal E from the rest of the terminals. So maybe at the, at the, at the L, going up to Terminal E, you would have to build a whole other infrastructure before you could walk back to the gates. Uh, to go through immigration. Wow. That, that's really going to cost, and that's just Hartsfield. Think about, what, a few million dollars? $20, 30000000 million to build that? Multiply that by you know, 50 airports, all the ports of entry. Um, you know, the reason we haven't done it is two reasons. One, and, and the border. Think about the land borders. Think about the land borders. The lines going out of the country compared to the lines coming into the country. So that's why they haven't done it, because it's just massively inconvenient. And the funding. So we'll see. This can't be done unless... They get funding from Congress. I'm just, I don't think they're going to get the funding. They'll get some token funding, and they'll throw it in a couple of airports, but it won't be, it won't be everybody. Uh, next, the Secretary of State immediately suspends the Visa Interview Waiver Program. That's not the Visa Waiver Program. That's still in effect. This is the Interview Waiver Program. Basically, under Obama, they began uh, giving visas to people 
uh, without an interview, if they had previously had interviews and passed certain levels of security background checks. And so uh, those people, and this, is, this was used in India pretty widely and some European countries, but that's just gone. So now everybody who needs a visa needs to have an appointment. This is going to cause massive backlogs at a lot of the embassies. Uh, and so it says this, to the extent permitted by law and, and, and subject to the availability of appropriations, of which there's none, Secretary of State shall immediately expand the consular fellows program, which, by the way, are in-country nationals, including by substantially increasing the number of fellows, lengthening or making permanent the period of service, and making language training at Foreign Service Institute available to fellows for assignment to post outside their area of core linguistic ability to ensure that non-immigrant visa interview wait times are not unduly affected. Yeah, that'll happen right away. Uh, visa validity reciprocity. This is really getting to the junkie terms, uh, immigration junkie. The Secretary of State shall review all non-immigrant visa reciprocity agreements to ensure they are, with respect to visa application, truly reciprocal. What this means is that if you charge us for a visa, we charge you for that same visa. And i, I got to tell you, the Department of State is usually pretty much on top of that. They are constantly updating the visa reciprocity schedule. Now, finally here, to be more transparent to the American people, and to more effectively implement policies and practices to serve the national interest, the Homeland Security Secretary and the AG shall collect and make public available within 180 days and every six months after the following. Information regarding the number of foreign nationals in the U.S. who have been charged with terrorism-related offenses while in the United States. Okay. Convicted of terrorism-related offenses while in the U.S. or removed from the U.S. based on terrorism-related activity. So anybody who's charged is going to have their name published, not that it doesn't happen already, Affiliation or material support of terrorism charges, and, or any international security reasons, the date of this order. So these people, if you're arrested for anything like that, your name is going to be public, which of course it already is. Information regarding the number of foreign nationals in the U.S. who have been radicalized after entry. Now this is hilarious. So, Homeland now an additional job of the Attorney General and Homeland Security is to make a list and publicize it uh, with the number of foreign nationals who have been radicalized after entry in the United States and engaged in terrorism in the act or who provided material support. I would hope they arrest those people, not just publicize that information. Information regarding the number and types and acts of gender-based violence against women. Well, that'll be wonderful to finally put out. This is by the same people who opposed renewal of the Violence Against Women's Act, including honor killings in the U.S. by foreign, oh, only by foreign nationals. Only by foreign nationals um, since the date of this order. Oh, okay. Well, I mean, yeah, we, we don't want to get too 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 nosy about that stuff. Any any other information relevant to public safety and security as determined by the now? This idea of publishing information, David. Uh, do you know um, what other administrations have done that in U.S. history? Yeah, none. But th- that's not un- it's not unprecedented in worldwide, uh, you know, in in worldwide government. Uh, that was done uh, in um, in uh, in Bismarck's Germany and in uh, and in Germany under under the early days of the of the Hitler administration. Interesting to see. Not comparing this guy to Hitler. I'm just saying history has lessons for us. We should be willing to willing to pay attention to. So, Secretary of State shall within one year of this order provide a report of the estimated long term costs of the refugee program. Interesting. Uh, and then he's blah blah blah. Donald J. Trump. Now, this is, you know, it's a powerful executive order. People saying that it's a Muslim ban, and to some extent it is. Uh, it's not all a Muslim ban. It uh, hurts lots of people, not just, not just Muslims. Um, but I just found it also interesting that the seven countries picked by Trump 
were the same countries picked by the Republican Congress two years ago, and oddly enough, are the seven countries in which he has no business. Uh, but all the other countries in which he could have picked people that have actually committed acts of terrorism, because nobody from these countries have committed acts of terrorism in the United States, um, like Saudi Arabia, aren't on the list. It's just, you know, David, you say something all the time that is, it becomes truer every day. Follow the money. Follow the money. You follow the money, you're going to see what's happening here. Uh, now, some people, David, have said that the this whole Trump thing is actually a a head fake, that this executive order is a head fake because the same day they did that, they made massive changes and stunning changes to the membership of the National Security Council, giving uh, uh, Bannon, I keep wanting to call him Roger Banner, but that's, that's the guy who's the Hulk, right? Uh, uh, or Banner, yeah. Bruce Banner. I keep wanting to call him Bruce Banner, uh, not Steve Bannon. Uh, and put him on the National Security Council and took off the Joint Chiefs because why do you need to join Chiefs going to National Security Council meetings? I mean, really. What do they know about national security? Um, and so I, uh, I am uh, uh, curious to see if, in fact, this really was a head fake and if we all bought into it. Uh, I am proud of the people that went out and protested this weekend because, you know, if you don't agree with the government's actions, you've got to put, you put yourself out there. If you don't put yourself out there, they'll do whatever they want going forward. Uh, if you want to make this a very long presidency or a very short presidency, better, uh, we need to not be quiet. We need to not go quietly quietly into that still night. All right, this is uh, Chuck Cook, your host of the Immigration Now on America's Web Radio. We'll be back with you next week for another episode in the most listened to immigration podcast in the known universe on America's Web Radio. You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening.